The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. LinkedIn presents. Good morning. It's Monday and it's time for a brand new week of mini masterclasses from the Next Big Idea Daily. I'm your host, Michael Kovnett, and our topic this week is words. You know, these little units of meaning that I'm spewing at you right now. These short bursts of sound and their written counterparts that are so fundamental to our interactions with the world that we hardly even notice them most of the time. Words are everywhere and there are all kinds of them. We know there are bad words, the naughty ones you can't say on TV. We know there are fancy words, the ones like plethora that you use to sound smart, but just make you sound pretentious. But did you know that there are magic words as well? I don't mean abracadabra or other made up phrases. I'm talking about ordinary words, but if you know how to use them properly, you can be a better communicator, a better persuader, a better friend, and a more confident, effective person. My guest this week is Jonah Berger. He's a professor at the Wharton School of Business at the University of Pennsylvania, and he's the best-selling author of books like The Catalyst, Contagious, and his latest one, Magic Words, What to Say to Get Your Way. Jonah is an expert in marketing and persuasion, but the book he's written isn't primarily a business book. It's a guide to being more intentional about how you speak to others, and maybe most crucially, how you talk to yourself. But it's fair to ask, if you're not a professional writer or a podcast host, why do you even need to think that much about words? Here's Jonah to explain. I don't have to tell you that almost everything we do involves words. From the emails and PowerPoints that we write to the phone calls and pitch meetings that we pull together, we talk to others face-to-face -face, uh, and over written communication, and words are how we persuade, communicate, and connect. They're how leaders lead, salespeople sell, and parents parent. There are teachers teach, policymakers govern, and doctors explain. In fact, even our private thoughts rely on language. But while we spend a lot of time using language, we rarely think about the specific language that we use. Sure, we might think a lot about the ideas we want to communicate when we make a presentation, for example. What's the main thrust of what we want to get across? But we often think a lot less about the particular words we use when we communicate those ideas. But unfortunately, that's a mistake. Because subtle shifts in the words we use can have a big effect on our actual impact. Take something like trying to persuade others. It turns out that adding one word to a sentence can increase the likelihood that others take our request by about 50%. Or think about the recommendations that we make. Research that my colleagues and I have done looking at hundreds of thousands of online reviews in a variety of different contexts shows that something as simple as saying, I recommend product or service rather than saying, I like that product or service, leads other people to be about a third more likely to take your recommendation. And in contexts as diverse as the words we use in writing email and the language we use when applying for a loan, words reveal exciting things about the people that produce them. Research, for example, shows that how similar your language is to your colleagues at the office can have an important prediction on whether you get promoted or get let go from the company. And research on the language we use in loan applications shows that we can predict whether someone's going to pay back that loan or whether they're going to default based just on the words they use in their application alone. It's clear that certain words are more impactful than others. They're better at changing minds, engaging audiences, and driving action. 
And so the key question is, well, what are these magic words and how can we take advantage of their power? Jonah Berger, welcome to the Next Big Idea Daily Podcast. Really happy to have you here. Thanks so much for having me. I am personally fascinated by language and communication, so uh, really interested in the topic of your book. Now, just give me a little background on this. You're not a linguist. Why are you interested in language, and how did the idea of magic words come to you? You know, all of us use language all the time. It's a part of almost everything that we do, whether we're uh, writing an email or building a presentation, whether we're talking to a boss or a colleague or client, whether we're chatting with a spouse or uh, talking to our kids. Even our our private thoughts uh, rely on language. But while we spend a lot of time thinking about what we want to talk about. So, you know, we get up in front of a meeting and we're talking about a particular proposal and we have some ideas that we're going to lay out or we're, we're talking to our kids and we want to remind them to do a particular thing. While we think a lot about what we want to say, we think a lot less about the particular words we use to say it. And, and as I talk about in, in the book, that's actually a big mistake because subtle shifts in the language we use can have a big impact. So by understanding what these magic words are, we can use them to better convince clients, captivate audiences, and, and deepen social connections in our personal lives. I know you've written before on the topic of persuasion, and this book in some ways does cover some of that ground, like how to use words in a way to persuade people. But it's not just that, right? Because we use words to entertain, to inform, to connect. And in all those ways we use language, there are benefits to paying attention to the particular words. Is that right? It is, yeah. And so, you know, there have been two big trends over the past decade or so that that have gotten us to where we are today. First is just we now have recordings of language um, that we never had before. And, and by recordings, I don't just mean audio recordings, right? Our opinions and attitudes, we share them all the time uh, on social media. There are now huge repositories of news articles and movie scripts um, and song lyrics. Uh, you can get information about people's resumes as they're posted online. And so there's just so much more language out there that we can mine. And second, there have been all these new tools that allow us to extract insight from this data. So whether you call it automated textual analysis, natural language processing, some of these tools leverage machine learning, but they allow us to study things we could never study before. So you know, my journey in this got started about 10, 15 years ago. I was interested in what makes online content viral. So with a colleague, Katie Milkman, um, we had uh, gotten a big repository uh, of New York Times articles. We knew whether certain articles made the list or not, and we wanted to figure out why, right? And the challenge of doing that is, well, it would take a long time to read 7,000 articles. If we would want to read them and score them manually on different dimensions, that would take quite a bit of time. And it also wouldn't be very objective, right? What I saw in those articles might not be the same thing that you saw in those articles or that someone else saw in those articles. And so we're trying to figure out, well, could there be a way to do it faster? And someone introduced me to a tool called a Linguistic Inquiry and Word Count, or LUC as it's called, L-I-W-C. And it allows you to basically go through text, in this case of, of newspaper articles, and score it on different dimensions. How many pronouns are there? How many words related to emotion are there. And since then, in the 10, 15 years since then, you know, much, much more sophisticated tools have come out. Uh, but this was an introduction of the way we can extract insight from language and allow us to understand what it's doing and, and how we can use it more effectively. I love this title too, Magic Words. I mean, we obviously have these sort of folk stories of words like 
open sesame or abracadabra, this <laughs> idea that there, there are words that have these kind of special powers that don't just inform, but somehow make something happen in the world. They're like incantations. And, and that seems sort of like some religious or magical old idea, but these words actually do have surprising powers. And one of the first ones you talk about is the word because. When you say, you know, would you wash the dishes? It's not going to be nearly as effective as saying, would you wash the dishes because I'm too tired or because something, and it doesn't even have to be a good reason, right? It can be a nonsensical reason, but just putting that word because in there seems to unlock something. Yeah. So uh, a number of years ago, I, I read this great book called Lexicon. And this book was about, um, it's a fiction book and it's all about, you know, basically nuclear language and you use a certain word and, you know, everything happens and, and this sort of, you know, amazing power of the particular right words. And, and you read a book like that and it's a really engaging book, but you're like, this doesn't happen in, in real life. And, and, and then a couple of years after we had our first uh, child, his name is Jasper. And, you know, as most kids do, eventually he acquired some language. He would say words like yo for yogurt or uh, brow bear for brown bear. And he was, you know, acquiring words as kids do. But he he started really interestingly using this word peas. Uh, and what he meant was please, but he didn't have his L's yet. So he couldn't say please. It ended up coming out like peas. But what was most interesting was how he would use this word. He would say something he wants, yo, and then pause to see if he got it. And if you, you got up and you went to go get him yogurt, that would be it. But if he said yo once and you didn't do anything, you didn't sort of jump to it to go get the yogurt, he would do it again, but he wouldn't just say, yo, he would say, yo, peas. And then he would look at you like, hey, I mean it. I'm serious. This is this thing that I, that I want. And it was the first time he had realized that words had power, that if you added the right word to anything, right, you could, you could get what you want. And, and like every kid, he developed much more language. He started talking about Dido, which is his favorite dinosaur and, and a variety of different things. But, you know, Pease was really special because it was the first time he realized that words have power. And the same is true for us as adults, right? There are these magic words out there, like, uh, like the word because, um, uh, like the word could rather than should, subtle shifts, just a couple letters here and there, or, or using a word rather than a different word can have a big effect on our impact if we know how to use them. Yeah, actually, you're reminding me that we say that to kids, don't we? We say, what's the magic word when we want them to say please? And we're teaching them that that is a word that unlocks something that makes us more willing to serve them to be helpful if they say please to us. And that's a lesson we carry into adulthood, I think. Certainly, yes, yeah. And and it's not just please, right? I mean, it's not just, yes, words like open sesame and, you know, abracadabra and um, I guess it's expecto patronum or whatever it is for the Harry Potter fans, but it's not just sort of, uh, these magical, mystical words, uh, real life words can have a big effect on our impact. Okay, that's it for today's episode. Thanks for listening. Thanks is kind of a magic word, isn't it? Anyway, tomorrow, Jonah is going to dive into the details of his research and give you some hacks on using language to get your kids to be more helpful around the house, to get people to vote, or to get yourself into shape. It's amazing what the right words can do. You can also find these tips right now on our Next Big Idea app. I'm Michael Kovnet. See you tomorrow.